Are you a seasoned runner, new to running, or considering becoming a runner? This podcast is about everything related to all aspects of running, whether it's road, trail, mountain, the types of running gear, nutrition, and most importantly, your stories. Welcome to A Runner's Mind. I am David Holland, your host. I am a passionate runner that loves to connect with like-minded people that love running. Welcome. On this episode for A Runner's Mind, we have invited Josh Brandenburg to our podcast to discuss his running journey. He is a marathon runner who is a family man who has been highly motivated to qualify for the Boston Marathon, and after many attempts, he finally achieved that goal. We are excited to have him share his story on a runner's mind. Welcome, Josh. Thank you, David. Thank you for having me. It's a it's an honor to be here. I've uh, I have to admit this is kind of embarrassing, but I think I'm like the only person in the world that doesn't listen to podcasts regularly. <laughs> I'm like the last man standing, but uh. Ever since you invited me, I've went back and listened to all of yours, and I've just really enjoyed uh, a runner's mind and you know the variety of guests that you guys have had on. There's people on here doing some really amazing things that are really motivational to me, and you know people who have very relatable stories of you know trying to get in shape and get fit. So I've I've really enjoyed it, and I'm I'm honored to be here. Well, we're grateful to have you. I think your story is unique. I I love your overall you know, passion and running and, and how you got to where you are today. So, you know, just, just, or excuse me, diving right in, give us a little bit of a background about yourself and how you got into running. Yeah. So, um, my name's Josh Brandenburg. Um, I've, uh, been married for 15 years. My wife is also a runner. Uh, she's a fifth grade science teacher, but she's done a lot of half marathons. We run together a lot. Um, we've done a lot of Ragnar relays together, which are really fun, uh, 12 person, 200 mile relays that, you know, go overnight, you're sleep deprived. It's, it's a blast. <laughs> um, so we, we do that together. That's something we share. I have two kids. I have a 13 year old daughter, uh, Eva, who's in eighth grade and she's a pretty avid runner herself. She uh, finished her second year of cross country this year and, uh, she's, She's fast. She's the lead girl on her team. I think she was the lead girl in nine out of her 10 races. So um, she's she hasn't quite caught dad yet, but she's chomping at the bit. She's on my heels. So <laughs> next couple of years, I think she's going to get me. <laughs> she's right there. I could. Oh, that's too funny. Yeah. I've, been, I've been watching, you know, your timeline on your stories. Yeah. And it's awesome to see her um, with her racing journey. And that's cool. She's taken after dad. It's fun and it's fun to get to run together with her. It's something we can kind of do, you know, together and really enjoy that time. So it's really fun. Uh, and then I have a son. I have a 12 year old son named Will, who is uh, decidedly not a runner, which I, I actually really respect because when I was 12 years old, I the running was the last thing in the world I wanted to do. And, you know, it sounded like torture. Um, I was in love with basketball at his age and he actually is too. Uh, and he's, he's far better than I ever was. He, uh, just made his first tryout team this year and he's having a really great season so far. He's already light years ahead of where I was. So it's, uh, it's really fun to get to see, you know, two kids with two different personalities, both kind of fall in love with these two sports that I've loved so much, you know, when I was younger and, and, you know, now today. Um, so, you know, for a dad, that's, that's very gratifying, obviously. <laughs> that's cool. I like that both your kids are active, your family's active, you know, 
that's like how our family is. Uh, you know, my wife, she does not like running, but uh, she she's a biker. Um, and so, okay. yeah, it's, it's funny how her and I are opposites on that angle. But uh, both kids, they seem to like running. Um, my son, Mikey, who's seven, he seems like he's going to be more of the speedy runner. And my daughter seems like the endurance runner. She can keep that pace, you know, yeah. for, for, for pretty much, you know, quite a while, slow and steady. And then my son, he's sprinting and then he dies and sprints and, dies <laughs> and then complains the rest of the 5k or whatever race he's doing. That's right. Pacing is a challenge as we know. <laughs> yeah. But no, it's fun to, you know, you never want to force it on them, but you want to expose them to it and kind of let them fall in love with the things that are important to them. And I think it's neat, you know, when you have active parents, to be able to expose them to whether it's basketball or running or cycling or, or just whatever it is, outdoor activities. And you just hope that they'll find their passion along the way. Absolutely. Yeah. And so you guys are pretty active as a family, right? You guys, like I see all the time, you're in different spots of the world. Yeah, we we try to travel as much as we can. Um, we uh, we do a lot of skiing. That's something that we I think all enjoy quite a bit. Now we're from Ohio, so we don't have the best skiing out here. But it's a good place to learn. We've got a lot of hills that are real easy in, easy out. Good good places for beginners. Um, but we've been out west to Colorado a few times to ski out there, Breckenridge and so forth. And uh, you know we do a lot of um, like RV road trips. I think we've been to. Pretty much all the big national parks out west, you know, Yellowstone, Grand Canyon, Yosemite, Denali up in Alaska. So they they love it. You know, it's funny. A few years ago, we were kind of talking as a family about where we wanted to go. And we were throwing out things like Disney World and places like that that generally kids would love to do. Um, but they just wanted to hop in an RV and go climb mountains and go rock climb. And we we ice climbed in, uh, in Alaska one time. They just like to be outdoors. And, I you know, try to encourage that as much as possible. That that's great that you are encouraging that. Now now shifting gears a little bit about getting into how you started running. Um, how did you begin with that? And as I understand it, you used to be a little bit heavier with your weight. Yeah. So um I think when I was in high school and college, I was about probably 175 and I was really active. I was kind of a gym rat. I strength trained a lot, lifted weights. Um, but like a lot of people, when I got out of college, um, you know, I was not very active and eating a lot and, you know, starting a career and I uh, just didn't really prioritize my health. And I think I got up to about maybe 215 or so at six foot tall, which, you know, I carried it OK, but I definitely, you know, could have afforded to have lost some weight, I guess. Um, and I really I have to give credit to uh, he's my former boss and a good friend of mine, Sam Jones. I think he talked me into doing my first 5K um nearby in town here and I, I think i ran it in like 27 minutes which you know really definitely not bad for a, a you know a young man doing his first 5k um but uh but i really enjoyed it you know i, I think i it was a really small race so i was you know near the top top 10 or 20 or something and that was kind of fun you know and uh then i started doing actually mud runs so i did a lot of like um spartans and warrior dashes and mud ninja and things like that and um, it, you know, it's just fun as a grown up to get to get out there and slop around in the mud and do obstacles. And when you're actually a runner and you do those things, generally you place pretty well because most people are just out there to have fun and play in the mud, you know. So right, I get, that's kind of fun, right? And uh, and as I started running, I you know I kind of made 
losing weight a goal, but it wasn't like an obsession, but the weight just started coming off as I was running more and staying more active. Um, and I think, you know, I, I tried to get in shape a number of times prior to that, but when we found out we were pregnant with our first, that was kind of a, a big game changer for me too. Cause you know, before it was like getting in shape to look good, right. Kind of for vanity and things like that. Um, but when we found out we were going to start a family and have kids, uh, that was kind of a, a deeper motivation. You know, I knew I had to start thinking a little bit more long-term and making sure that I was going to, you know, not that I wasn't in great shape, but being around for the the long haul and, you know, and giving them, showing them a good active lifestyle and so forth. So I think that was really the big difference maker. Whereas before I'd tried and failed a few times this time, I really stuck with it. That's great. And so you stuck with it and you start getting into the marathons and after some marathons, why did you decide to go for the ultimate BQ or was that something that started right away when you decided to start running marathons? You know, yes and no. Um, you know, running, it's a little bit, I describe it as like a drug sort of, but in a positive way, right? It's always, you want to go a little bit further, a little bit faster. You're looking for that continuous improvement, um, you know, in a more positive way, of course. Um, but really from the beginning, Boston was always the dream. I, I, I always knew one day I wanted to be there. I didn't necessarily know if it was possible. I mean, it felt like a little bit of a pipe dream at the time when I was a new runner, but it was always kind of in the back of my mind, you know? Um, and it, as for why, I mean, you know, if you're in the running community, you get it. If you're, if you're not, um, the way I'd usually describe it to people is like people that train their whole life to get to the Olympics, you know, these, these world-class athletes. Um, Boston is kind of like that for the average Joe, you know what I mean? It's, it's something that's very, very challenging, but attainable if you really commit to it and are willing to go all out for it. Um, and then of course there's so much history there, you know, the world's oldest continual marathon and one of the six majors. And I think the only one that doesn't have a lottery. Uh, so if you want in, you have to earn it. There's no way around that, you know, unless you're a charity runner. Um, so that really appealed to me too. Um, and then of course, you know, a defining moment maybe, yeah, but sadly the, the bombings in 2013, um, that was a moment for me, you know, I was watching it on TV, um, and I would never compare anything to, to nine 11. Right. But it, it kind of had that kind of impact on me. I, I, I'll never forget that moment. I'll never forget where I was when I saw it. Um, so if there was any doubt <laughs> that kind of erased it for me, like from that moment on, it was like. Boston or bust, even though it, it felt a long ways off, I guess. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, we kind of have these similar stories where we both, you know, we started running marathons to get that BQ and, uh, you know, we were getting so close, but just not quite making it. And I remember I started running marathons in 2010 and I remember the bombings just, you know, it just hits you from a different perspective and and definitely that's where my motivation came in is when those bombings hit I was like I'm definitely going to make make it even more um you know inside of myself to to run this race and yeah so, isn't it funny how it should have the opposite effect it should turn people away but it, it in the running community it didn't it really made everyone want to support the race that much more you know the Boston Strong um, and everybody kind of rallied behind it and they pulled off an excellent race the next year and have continued to. And so it's, it's beautiful to see the community come together and to see it back on track. So 
what's up with this Boston sign you were talking about? Um, <laughs> you know, so yeah. that way, yeah, talk to us about that. Yeah, so when I was, it was still a pipe dream at the time, but I, I knew I wanted to get there one day, and I just, you know, we're always looking for little pieces of motivation, right? So I, I ordered this sign, you know, on the internet. I think it, it just said, it was a street sign, and it said Boylston Street, which is, of course, you know, you make the famous left onto Boylston Street when you're approaching the finish line there. Um, and so I bought this, and I really just put it up above my door in my office, um, just so that every day, day in, day out, I could kind of see that. And it really kind of became my my North Star, if you will, you know, that, that everything I did, you know, if I were wanting to, you know, eat a bigger lunch or skip a workout or whatever it was, you know, I'd see that sign and everything was kind of seen through the lens of, is this getting me closer to Boston or further, you know, and not that I was perfect. I mean, you have to enjoy yourself and, you know, we all make mistakes, but, but I, I tried to use that as kind of a, a, a message, you know, to kind of keep myself on the, the right path. That's awesome. I, I have a similar, uh, uh, sign up, but it's right next to my bed, Michael Jordan. Um, yeah. he says, you know, others make it happen, you know, and, and I just keep thinking about that. Every time I go to bed, I see it when I wake up in the morning, I see it and it just, it's in my mind every single day. Yeah. Um, as a child of the 90s, I, I can relate. I was a big Jordan fanboy back in the day. So a lot of his quotes and posters and inspirational sayings and stuff, or you'll find them around the house for sure. That's cool. Yeah. So <laughs> next question I'm super excited to ask you about. So you've tried multiple attempts to BQ. And for the listener, if you don't know what BQ is, that's Boston Qualifier. And you were unsuccessful, super close. Then in June you finally earned that BQ. You never gave up. How are your emotions? That was, well, it was a roller coaster, as you know, because there were there were some ups and downs along the way. Um, so I, you know, my first marathon was a 347, which I was, I was super proud of. I was proud to complete. And I was pretty proud of the time too, I would say. Um, and I just really slowly chipped away at it over seven or eight marathons from, I think, 2012 to 2017, 2018, 2019. Um, but I was, you know, I, I didn't know how to train and I, I guess I was, you know, not really a student of the sport at that point. So I was just kind of going out and running everything in a medium, hard pace, a lot of zone three, four runs. I really didn't understand speed work and what went into that. Um, and then I kind of just decided I needed to become a student of the sport. If I was going to get better, I needed to listen to professionals and experts and people who had been there before and you know read up and study and so i got deeper into like 80 20 running you know and really slowing down for most of my miles which was really struggle to do you know really counterintuitive um but also getting really serious about my speed work and following a plan um i used the runner's world uh break 310 plan really for all my marathons um definitely bought some super shoes <laughs> had to go out and get some alpha flies you know it's, looking for every advantage i could get um and then i got down to like a 317 at the Indianapolis Monumental Marathon. I think that was 2021. It was also kind of, you know, just post-COVID. I was working from home. I had a little bit more time, you know, at lunch to run and so forth. Um, and so that was when I really, I uh, say, I started smelling blood in the water. Like I was, I was starting to realize this was possible. This was something that I could do, right? right. Um, and then it just snowballed. Once, once I realized I was knocking on the door, I got super serious about it, of course. Um, so... My first, I would say, real attempt to BQ was the the next race, and that was um, 
actually kind of where we, you and I met at the, the not really there, but, you know, an online training for it at the yep. Rebel Mount Charleston race. Yep. In Vegas, the downhill yeah. seemed like it was going to be super easy. <sighs> yeah, that was a, that was a tough one. So for those that don't know, you know, it's a point to point downhill race. And so, you know, you go into that thinking, oh, I'm going to shave seven minutes off that easy breezy just because of the course profile. Right. Right. Um, but it was fool's gold a little bit because I, I didn't train for it properly. And I think you and I were kind of in the same boat. We didn't really know fully what to expect. Um, yeah. and so I went out fast. And I think I got greedy. You know, I started thinking sub three hours even was possible, which was silly coming off of 317. Um, but I was going sub three pace for probably 15 miles or so and really feeling good. But that downhill pounding is just brutal. It's a different kind of run. Um, and it just destroyed my quads, my calves. And I pretty much locked up by mile 16 or so. And I was walk running the rest of the way. I think I, I managed to pull out a 318, but, you know, still slower than on a flat course. Um, it just dry. wasn't walking right for a week after, after that, it was tough. <laughs> oh, it was. I remember it vividly. I was just cruising, you know, mile 10, mile 13. I'm like, yeah, I, I felt like I was, I think I was on pace for like a 256. Wow. 15 hits. I was still feeling good. And then Right about mile 17 is where the quad started to kind of break down on me. And by mile 18, I started having that doubt, you know, and yeah, and just, yeah, I mean that, I think I got a 312 on that course and I've run faster times at, you know, higher elevation, flat courses. It's like, yeah, those point to point downhills, if you don't train right, it, they're super difficult. Yeah, they, they, they can be easier. They are a little bit easier cardiovascularly, uh, but they will destroy your legs if you don't train for them properly. And, you know, that was it was I'm sure you feel similarly, but it was such a frustrating experience because, you know, if you're listening to this and you're not a runner, you spend three or four months locked in, focused, working hard, waking up early, eating right, doing the training and then to go out there and get greedy and just make a mistake and go too fast and try to do more than was necessary, you know, from my standpoint, at least, um, uh, you know, uh, it was a mistake and I, I sure <laughs> was disappointed in myself and, and that, but, uh, but I took some lessons from it too, though, you know, I, I, I knew what I did, did wrong. I knew where I went wrong. Um, and I really kind of laid out, I think it was like a seven or eight point plan on what I was going to do to address that and get back to Boston. And I, I don't remember all of them off the top of my head, but the big things one was I was going to lose weight. I think I was like 177, which is a perfectly healthy weight for me at six foot. That's what I like to be at year round. Um, but for my next race, before I started training, I dropped down to like 161, which frankly is skinnier than I want to be. I don't enjoy it, but you know, while we should all have healthy body types and no one needs to kill themselves to lose weight. There's some physics involved there, right? The less, less weight you have, the less work you have to do over that distance and the less pounding your legs are going to take. Yep. Um, Isn't I, it like one to two seconds uh, per minute when it comes to your mile time for yeah, every pound per, you lose? Per minute per mile, which, you know, it doesn't sound like much, but when you do the math, I mean, it adds up to seven to I think 14 minutes over a marathon, which you know, that's the difference between getting to Boston or not. So, uh, yeah, I was looking like Skeletor <laughs> for a while there, but, uh, um, but you know, you do what you got to do to, if it's your dream, it's your goal, then you got to do what you got to do to get there. So, All right. So shifting from that race, where do we go to get that BQ? 
Yeah, so I lost the weight. I really upped my nutritional intake a lot. I had doubled the amount of goose I was taking. I used to take them every four miles. Now I was up to every two, which is aggressive, but I think it really helped in the next races. Um, a lot of downhill training. You know, I found this one mile stretch near my house and I would literally do up to 23 miles, just up and down, up and down this one mile stretch. I mean, I just wanted to make sure that my legs were bulletproof the next time I, I did one of these, right? Um, so I really felt like I put together a nice plan. I executed it the way I wanted to. Uh, and then the next attempt, I would call this my second, you know, Boston qualifying attempt, um, was Rebel Rockies just outside of Denver. Uh, beautiful race. The entire Rebel series of marathons are just beautiful races. I mean, even if you're not looking to BQ or PR, uh, the scenery is just gorgeous. You know, if you're just looking for a nice view and a beautiful run, I, I highly recommend them. Um, but so I signed up for Denver. I uh, felt strong. Again, I'm at a 316. I got to get to a 310 to, to qualify for Boston. Um, and I went out and I was smarter this time. I, I held back a little bit in the first half. I, I didn't get greedy. I uh, stayed pretty conservative until uh, the last few miles. Um, and really, I was running um, below my my average pace for the race, even the last couple of miles. And that was honestly the first time I'd ever done that. I've I've always had a little bit of a collapse down the stretch in marathon. So um, I was super proud to just really have run the whole way and really paced it really conservatively and and, and intelligently, I thought. Um, and I ended up finishing at a 304.47. Uh, wow. Which, you know, I was thrilled with that. I mean, I was a 12-minute PR. I had a, I think it was a 5.13 buffer um, against my qualifying time. So I was, I was on cloud nine. <laughs> you know, I'd finally done it. On my second attempt, I'd I'd qualified for Boston. Um, of course, you know, this is marathon number 12 or 13, so it didn't happen overnight. Um, but yeah, I was, I was thrilled. I I saw your post and I was so excited when you had hit that BQ. I was like, this is, you found the way to do it. And I, it, it was just so encouraging to see you finally hit that goal because, you know, I think when we try over and over and we get so close to where you can almost taste it, but you haven't had it, it, it gives you that hope and motivation that, hey, he can do it, I can do it. It, it was a thrill, yeah. I mean, you know, a lot of people don't have dreams, and a lot of people don't chase dreams, and a lot of people, you know, it's easy to get kind of complacent in life, um, you know, and I, and I was that way for most of my life, to be honest, but to finally feel like that I... I had accomplished this goal that I'd been working on for, I mean, literally a decade um, was just such a, a joy and such a relief also, you know, to kind of have that monkey off my back and to know that I'd made it. Um, and, you know, it's a good lesson, too, for, for you know, young kids, you know, they got kids that are trying to accomplish things in life themselves and to be able to show them, you know, hey, this is something that I set out to do. It was important to me. I made numerous attempts. I, you know, failed every single time, but I didn't stay down. I kept coming back. Um, and if it's important enough to you and you keep grinding and you keep trying, eventually you can accomplish anything, you know, and I, I think they kind of saw that too. And, you know, that my kids, they've seen my ups and downs and struggles and they've supported me the whole way, but they were thrilled for me too, to see it finally happen. And my wife as well, of course. So it, uh, it was a very good moment. <laughs> that is such a great message, especially to, you know, share with your kids with battling adversity and just keep pushing on until you get your goals yeah and so then, oh go ahead no I, it's just fun to see them you know take that same mindset yeah very rewarding that's great 
So Boston registration is about to open. I know the whole world, everybody who beat <sighs> Hughes is super <laughs> excited but nervous because yeah. up to this point, there have not been cutoff times since COVID, but there's going to be cutoff times. And so you kind of know what's coming. So as soon as it opens up, you had qualified by 5 minutes, 13 seconds was your buffer. What happened when you saw the cutoff was five minutes, 29 seconds? Well, yeah, it was, like I said, a roller coaster of emotion. So just to back up a little bit, I'd spent the last three months, you know, this was in June. Uh, the window opened up in September. Like you said, there were there were no additional cutoffs the last couple of years. There's never been a cutoff greater than five minutes, except for the, the COVID year when they had a reduced field. So I really spent from June to September thinking I was golden. I mean, I was not worried about it a bit. I luckily I didn't book any, you know, airfare yet, but I or non-refundable hotels, but I'd, you know, I, I'd spent the last three months thinking I was good. I was done, right? I did it. And um because of that, I actually started uh, maybe the positive out of it is that I started dabbling in ultras a little bit in the meantime. Um I, I actually it's kind of a funny story. I went out one day to this local uh trail that I run at. It's called Sugar Creek Reserve if you're near the Dayton area, Dayton, Ohio. Uh, but it's a little three mile loop and I've, I've done up to 26.2 there before. Um, and I, I kind of told my wife, you know, I'm going to go out and do maybe 18 or so. And I told her what time I thought I'd be home. Um, but I, I kind of had this like little idea in the back of my head that I might go a little bit farther, maybe a lot farther. Because, <laughs> um, you know, I'd, I'd be cute and I was just kind of running free and doing whatever I wanted. And that's that was kind of a nice feeling, too. You know, no plan to follow. I could just kind of have fun with it. Um so I brought a bunch of extra goo and a bunch of extra water and it's a loop. So I had a kind of a one point where I could kind of leave everything and come back to it. And so I get to 18 and I'm still feeling good. So I text Becky and I say, you know, I'm going to keep going. I'll text you in a bit. We didn't have anything going on. And so I get to 21, 24, I text her again. I'm just going to do a marathon. And so I get to 26.2, 27. And then I text her again and she's just laughing at this point. She's like, you're, you're crazy, you know? <laughs> right. Oh. Uh, but I ended up doing a 50K. I did 31.1 just kind of on a whim. Honestly, I was just feeling good. Now, I wasn't racing it. I was running at a very comfortable pace. Um, but I felt really strong. I felt good. So I just kind of kept going. Um, and then I think that was like late August. And I got home and I kind of had this idea, well, why don't I just treat that like my last, you know, long run, my long, last LSD and kind of parlay that into something even more, right? And so right. I decided I'm going to do a 50 miler, which I, I've never gone beyond 26.2 until this point. Um, but I always kind of wanted to because I wanted to take some of that mystique out of those last six miles. And I figure if I can go above 26.2, then those last 10K aren't going to scare me anymore in my next marathon, right? Right. <laughs> so, uh, so I lay out this course that really, I mean, it runs all over the greater Dayton area, over the surrounding highways. Um, and I it goes like 15 miles south, catches this bike path, and I'm really on a bike path for the next like 35 miles in a loop around the city. And uh, I set out of the house at 4 a.m. I've got my hydration pack on and some extra nun tablets, noon tablets. I got a bunch of goos and I got some cash to stop at gas stations along the way, kind of self-support, right? Um, and I just take a really chill approach. I mean, I ran the first 26.2 nonstop. Um, and I just kind of decided to treat myself. I'm just going to walk for, you know, a quarter mile or so because I can because I'm not worried about time. And I stopped at a few gas stations along the way, had had a couple Mountain Dews and a couple of uh, Pop-Tarts along the way. 
and uh, just kind of kept on trucking. And I, uh, you know, it was really actually pretty comfortable. Again, a really slow, comfortable pace until about mile 45 started hurting a little bit. And then really at mile 48, it started hurting a lot. You know, I was having some IT pain in my right knee. But again, the mindset was I've already qualified for Boston. If I go out and get injured, who cares? Because I'll have plenty of time to recover before Boston and I don't have any other races coming up. So it'll be worth it to say that I did 50, right? I'll, I'll gamble on that. Right. And so I pushed through it and I got the 50 done and I'm super proud of that. Um, uh, but, but I, you know, got some IT BS in the process and so my knees pretty jacked up and I'm not going to be running for a couple of weeks. Um, so, you know, circling back now, I find out, you know, I think it was 10 days later, I found out actually on my birthday on September 28th. Oh man. There's going to be this. <laughs> yeah. Happy birthday. Right. Right. Uh, they announced, you know, record number of applicants for Boston, you know, and there's going to be a big cutoff. And I think that was the day they announced, um, that the cutoff was, yeah, 529. So I literally missed making it to Boston by 16 seconds. <laughs> oh man. That would just be so hard. And, you know, I, I could have squeezed those 16 seconds out if I had to, but I thought I was so far ahead, you know, just looking at historical cutoffs. I mean, I thought I was golden and I and I didn't let up. I kept going, but I didn't really push it or kill myself either. Um, so, yeah, I was it was a pretty tough pill to swallow to, to miss your dream, you know, by by 16 seconds. <laughs> oh, man, especially after you're like, well, I'm going to run 50 miles, <laughs> grind it out. Hey, nothing to worry about. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Thought I was free from that, that those shackles of trying to get to Boston. But, uh, and you know, my, my family and friends, they were so supportive. They, they're so caring and, you know, they're saying things like, you know, screw Boston. That's unfair. I hate that system, blah, blah, blah. You know, they're, they're, they're just trying to support me and I love them for it. Um, but I never, even as frustrating as it was, I, I was never like bitter towards Boston. You know what I mean? I, I just kind of said the same thing to all of them. I just said, that's Boston, you know, it's, it's, it's elusive. It's a little elitist. It's a moving target. It's, it does stink of course to, to miss it, but, uh, but that's part of what makes it beautiful too. You know, if it were easy, everyone would do it and it wouldn't be quite as special. Um, so, you know, as, as upset as I was, I, I it almost just was looking at it like, okay, you got me, you know, you got me, but I'm, I'm I'll be back. <laughs> uh. Well, yeah. I think you, you know, you kept that up real, you know, clear. If it was yeah. easy, everybody would do it, you know? Yeah. Um, wow. So you decide Revel Big Bear coming off 50 miles. You've got IT issues, emotions getting there. Talk about this race and do you make the qualifying times? Yeah. So, you know, I'm in this weird spot where on one hand, I'm maybe more trained up than I've ever been in my life because I, I just went 50 miles. So, you know, legs, lungs, everything's good. But on the other hand, I'm, I'm injured. I have an overuse injury, um, IT, IT issues. And so, I mean, I'm only six or seven weeks out from, from Revel Big Bear, which I hadn't signed up for. I, you know, really the mindset is like, you missed it. You missed it by 16 seconds. You're angry. You want to, you want to act, you want to do something, but you're kind of hobbled by this, this injury also. Right. Um, so I kind of, I look at Revel Big Bear, it's November 18th, it's six or seven weeks away. And I kind of just, I don't even really register for it yet, but I kind of set it as the goal. I'm going to see if I can get healthy in time to get there. 
Um, and so I think I, I think I broke every running related rule trying to get there. You know, we always talk about, you know, don't increase your long by more than 10%. Don't increase your weekly mileage by more than 10%, you know. Um, but I kind of threw all that out the window because, again, I felt like I was kind of trained up. I just needed to get healthy. So I took a, a week off completely, tried to run again. The IT was still giving me issues. Um, so I ended up, we've talked about a little bit, putting on a knee brace um, and running with that. And it actually kind of did the trick. I, you know, I was able to go out and get past three or four miles with no pain. And so I'm feeling really good. And so then I started doing the math on, okay, how many weekends do I have left? And how aggressively can I up my my long runs without overdoing it? And literally my long runs in consecutive weeks were 13, 19, 23, right? So that's not, you know, the plan anybody would ever advise, but I, but I had to ramp it up if I wanted to take a shot at this. And I, the whole time I'm asking myself, like, is this a smart move or am I just bitter or angry or am I just wanting to act so bad, you know, or should I just be packing in and thinking about next year? I was really kind of on the fence the whole way, but I thought, you know what, I'm just going to gamble. I'm just going to see what happens. I just did 50. I feel good. I feel strong. Let's just see what happens. Right. Um, but as I'm doing the longs, you know, they're they're feeling good. And I think finally on the last one, I was able to ditch the uh, the knee brace and sign up. Um, and so I was able to go through a full three-week taper leading up to the race. And it's kind of feeling like it's going to break my way. Um, so I'm, I'm feeling optimistic. Um, I think, uh, you know, I signed up for the race. I booked everything. I made sure everything was refundable in case everything went wrong. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I was ready to take another crack at it. That's awesome. Well, let's pause for a brief moment and we will be right back on a runner's mind. Welcome back to a runner's mind. We have Josh sharing with us his running journey. So Josh, we were previously talking about your Revel Big Bear. You decided to register for it. Um, you were talking with your emotions of the training process. So go ahead and talk about Revel Big Bear. Yeah, so I was I was getting healthy. I was feeling good, feeling strong. I was going through my taper um, and really feeling like I was ready for race day. Got everything booked, and I kind of set in my mind that um, I set a goal of three oh three. You know, my qualifying time was three ten. Um, I wanted to guard against going too fast again, like I did in that first attempt. Um, but I also wanted to put a little bit more padding on there, you know, than I had in my my second attempt. So it's it's a it's a moving target, as we talked about with Boston. It's hard to know right where to be, but seven minutes felt like a, a good number. It had never gone over seven minutes except in the COVID year. So I felt like 303 was kind of the right number for me, right? Um, and this is November 18th. Um, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling healthy. I'm a little nervous about the, the weather. It's looking like it could be cold, could be rainy, could be snowy. Um, but every day, like that week leading up to it, the forecast just kept kind of improving, improving. Um, and really that morning the you know, the skies parted and it was really one of the most beautiful mornings, you know, beautiful weather, sun was coming up right as we were starting. Um, so I was, I was feeling good, feeling strong. Um, I think, uh, Rebel Big Bear has a slightly different profile than some of these other point to point ones. It's a little bit more conservative in the first half and a little bit more aggressive in the second half. Okay. So I kind of yeah, I kind of went out feeling like I was going to just, you know, run with my lungs that first half and kind of save the legs a little bit and see where I was at and just kind of constantly reassessing it. Um, but really, right from the get-go, things felt good. I think I went out, I think I did the first half in about 131 or so, despite it being uh, a little bit less aggressive. 
and I'm feeling good. I'm feeling strong the whole way. I feel like I'm coasting. I'm kind of running a sub three pace, but just barely, um, you know, maybe 259 or so. And so I, the whole second half, I'm kind of telling myself, like, just hold back, hold back, take it easy, take it easy, you know, save something for those last couple miles if you need to make a big push. Um, so I felt like I raced uh, a much smarter race than I had, certainly on my first attempt and even on my second attempt. Um, and in fact, I would say everything went pretty perfectly that whole day with the only exception being uh i managed to somehow get a rock in my shoe at like pile 20 or 21 no. oh. <laughs> yeah right like the last thing you think to, to have to deal with and it managed to wedge itself right right in my front of my big toe kind of under the nail a little bit um oh, but but it was one of them things where it's like I could stop. I could get it out, take off my shoes, unlace them, retie them. It'd probably cost me a minute, maybe two. I think I've got the padding, but you know, when you when you just got burnt, you know, by getting into Boston for 16 seconds, like I'm I'm not stopping. <laughs> you know, as runners, we're we're used to ugly toes and lost toenails, so I'm just gonna keep on coasting. I keep trying to shake that foot every step, and it's not going anywhere. But you just you know, running is uncomfortable and the last six miles of a marathon are painful anyway. So just grin and bear it and keep pushing, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and if you're going to meet those buffer times, you know, it's definitely worth the lost toenail. That's I'd gladly trade it. I'd trade all 10 of them. But, uh, you know, I, and I didn't want to lose my mojo or anything. I'm feeling really good, feeling strong. So I just kind of keep coasting and, um, it, everything just went perfectly. I, I ended up finishing in 257.35. So I, I managed to go sub three, came out of it with 12 and a half minutes of padding. Wow. Yeah, it was the, to this, I mean, it was the best race of my life, obviously. And I felt so strong. I mean, even down the stretch, even the last two miles, I was, I was actually picking up the pace. Um, I was, I was starting to go like 645, 630. And uh, I actually, for the first time in my life, sprinted across the finish line. I mean, at this point, a sprint is, you know, not much better than six minutes a mile. But, uh, you know, I was really kicking and giving it a good, strong finish. It was the first time that I ever felt like I, I've run a lot of marathons, but I never felt like I really raced one or really paced it so perfectly. I think I had a negative split by a couple of minutes. Um, so I was, I, I did it. <laughs> I got there and got my... 12 and a half minutes of padding. So I am back on cloud nine and, you know, who knows, maybe that won't be good enough, but I, I'd like to think I can rest easy until next September. Well, rightfully so, especially with that kind of a buffer. That's just incredible, Josh. I mean, congratulations on just grinding through everything. You had so much adversity and you just kept going. Way to go. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's a, feels good. It's a big relief. Um, you know, it, it has been something that I've been, like I said, chasing for, you know, 14 years or so. And, um, it felt like I would never get there at one point. And then it just, you know, as you keep working and you keep grinding and you keep, you keep chipping away at it, it just got slightly more realistic and slightly more attainable over the years. Um, so it feels, feels good to finally accomplish that goal. So are you, Looking at Boston for 2025, is your family going? What's what's the plan? Oh uh, well, we're gonna be there. <laughs> that 12 minutes is gonna hold up. I'm I'm not losing any sleep over that. I'm you know, uh, we've got a place booked already. Um, we you know we've, we've got some friends that are probably gonna come with us. Um, you know, I had a somebody ask me, you know, how are you gonna approach Boston? Are you gonna train really hard for it and go out and run it as fast as you can and 
I just kind of laughed. <laughs> I said, nope, not not at all. <laughs> I'm going to be out drinking that week and enjoying myself and eating good food. And I'm going to take my sweet time along the course. You know, I, I never take pictures when I'm running. I'm always so serious and so focused, but I'm going to stop and pet dogs and, and take selfies and, and, you know, take in the sites, the famous sites, you know, um, and just really try to soak it in and enjoy it. So it might be my, my slowest maritime more than marathon time before it's over. <laughs> well, that's, you know, that's awesome that you'll have that opportunity. And I think you should definitely soak it all up. Just such an inspiring story. Thank you for sharing that with us, Josh. Here on A Runner's Mind, we like to end with a fun fact. So why don't you share with us how Pop-Tarts are part of your nutrition? Yeah, you know, you got to get those simple carbs when you're when you're loading up <laughs> prior to the race. Um, you know, we talk a lot about how serious we are about running and how focused we are and how we're trying to control every little variable and do everything right. Um, but I'm not a pro athlete. I'm, I'm a, a, you know, weekend warrior. I'm a dad. So you got to enjoy life also, <laughs> right. And give yourself your little vices and so forth. So pop darts, it's just kind of a running joke at this point, but it's, it's, I've been eating them since high school. I've been, I've yet to shake them. Um, they, they tend to stick around. I've actually got a, a tub in my house with probably like five or 10 different flavors at any point in time um that started as a joke at father's day my family got me a bunch of different ones and i've kind of kept it stocked up since then <laughs> That's um, awesome. actually i do i you know I, I have my whole like nutrition planned out really tightly leading up to the race but every night about 12 hours prior to race time i i want to take in about 400 calories of really simple carbohydrates and pop tarts fit the bill for that and i enjoy them <laughs> so uh so they've managed to find a way into my my Boston qualification and my, my marathon training. <laughs> you should get a patent or you should get a sponsorship from Pop-Tarts on that one. <laughs> that's a good idea. They're, they're going to rebrand as a health food after that. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And so do you have a favorite Pop-Tart brand? Yeah, oh, I'm a connoisseur, so I have a lot of favorites. You know, I, I joke that I, I eat my healthy Pop-Tarts like cherry and, you know, raspberry and fruit flavors for breakfast when I'm trying to be healthy. And then I have my snack Pop-Tarts like my s'mores and, uh, you know, the, the there's ice cream Sunday one and things like that. But uh, it's it's all junk, of course. But, you know, have fun with it. <laughs> oh, yeah. You, you've got to have fun with it, especially yeah. when you're training like we train and everything else. So, yeah, well, you got to enjoy well, the little things. That was, yeah, it was a pleasure. It was a pleasure being here. Thank you for having me again. I've I've really loved the, the series that you've put on here uh, you know so many wonderful runners on here and i'm just honored to be part of the group and uh, it's been an absolute pleasure and i'm looking forward to boston 2025 and i'm looking forward to seeing you there because i know you've got a couple big races coming up too so i'm hoping we'll be uh, coming across the finish line together in boston oh yeah i've got one coming up here in february so hopefully uh you know i'll be having that conversation with you and we can enjoy some food in boston together um, absolutely but thank you again for being a guest. Thank you for sharing your story with us here. Thank you listeners for listening to this week's podcast with Josh. We are on all podcast platforms, including Spotify and Apple. Thank you again for listening to A Runner's Mind. This has been A Runner's Mind with your host, David Holland.
You can check us out by going to Spotify and simply searching A Runner's Mind. We want to thank you for listening today and have a good rest of your day.